at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be the first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. You may be seated. Okay, well, don't raise your hand because I don't actually want to know, but consider your answer. Have you ever picked up a new book or new to you and read the ending before you read the rest of the book? In the decades that I've been reading literature and novels, I have never done it. But people that I do otherwise like and respect have done that or even do that regularly. It, which is mind-boggling to me. What about, what about the journey of discovery? What about the literary unfolding of inevitable conclusions or experiencing that surprise twist in a mystery? When it comes to reading, I want to do it in order, as the author intended. So that's my bias today as we read this passage from Mark chapter 10. So perhaps you've noticed that we've been on our way for a while now, walking with Jesus toward Jerusalem. Each week since late August, we've been reading a portion of Mark's gospel here in worship. We started in chapter 7, then chapter 8. We moved through chapter 9, and now for the third week we are in Mark chapter 10, reading it piece by piece. Our assigned readings throughout our three-year cycle don't always come from the same book week to week. They don't always follow along in order with what's recorded in Scripture, but lately they have been. And one result of that is that it's a little easier to see which verses we're not reading. So last week we stopped at verse 31. This week we're picking up at verse 35, which means we've missed a little something 
namely verses 32 through 34, which I just wanted to share with you for two reasons. Three reasons if you count the fact that I just like to read things in order. So here are verses 32 through 34. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. He took the twelve aside again and began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit upon him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise again. So for one thing, this, which is now Jesus' third foretelling of his suffering and death, these verses make the follow-up question from two of his disciples even more incredible and ridiculous. Jesus has just been talking about his being condemned and mocked and killed, and with these gruesome words still hanging in the air, the sons of Zebedee decide, now's the time to make their move. So they secretively request the positions of highest honor on Jesus' right and on his left when Jesus comes into his glory. Really, James and John, that's what you want to ask right now? Standing on this dusty road that is leading you directly into the heart of Jesus' humiliation and pain and death, and you're worried about the seating chart at the heavenly banquet? It would be an immense understatement to say that they're getting a little ahead of themselves. James and John, if they were even paying attention at all, they want to skip right over some extremely important parts of the story that are currently unfolding around them. They failed to understand the inevitable implications for their friend and for themselves because they too will drink this cup of suffering and death. So the second reason I think those missed verses are important is because they set the scene for our assigned verses so clearly. It begins, they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. They were on the way. They were heading toward an important place. They were heading toward world-changing events. They had a certain destination, but they weren't there yet. And that is the context of Jesus' teaching and his modeling of a God-pleasing life while he's on the way, in the not yet. That's important, I think, because I would classify all of us as being on the way. Life in this world is a whole journey unto itself. There's this path of discovery and growth, a path that leads through great hardships as well as great joys. This life that we are all currently leading is exactly what Jesus spends so much time teaching and preaching about. Practical things like temptation and money and divorce and prayer. The greatest wisdom Jesus shares is about how we are as we are on the way, how we treat one another, whom and what we prioritize, what we share, what we do and think and say about God and ourselves and our neighbors. Those are the things emphasized throughout Mark's gospel. Jesus spends much, much less time, if any, talking about how amazing heaven will be and how great and glorious things will be for him on the other side of the cross. 
So then James and John are not only getting ahead of themselves by requesting glorified status in Jesus' reign, they are missing the point completely. And of course, they're not alone in misdirecting their focus. James and John have their sights set on the someday when Jesus himself is standing right next to them in the today. What's most important is happening right now, and all they can think about is later. They are suffering from some serious sin-induced tunnel vision. Their eyes are not really on Jesus. There's a real gift in Lutheran theology, lots of them really, but there's one in particular that offers us relief and freedom from this concern that James and John express. And that is that in the sacrament of holy baptism, which we have all just witnessed, through water and the word we are joined to Christ's death and resurrection, we are claimed by God for all time through grace alone. And that means when it comes to salvation someday, God has already taken care of it. When it comes to a divine seating chart, if one is needed, God will take care of it. What's left for us to think about and to care for as Christians in the world here and now is not the someday, but the today. Accessing the destination is done, our salvation is secure, and now Christian discipleship is our focus. How we behave as we get where we're going is what is important. Important for us and important to God. Life in this world, life on the road, is where God is calling us to put our attention, our time, our energy, and to follow Jesus by doing it with Christ-like humility and love for our neighbors and joy in serving. That is where God wants us to put our focus. One part of Christianity is about where you go when you die. But in light of the assurances of our faith, the more important part in this moment is, will Jesus' death and life, his teaching, his resurrection, will that all shape how we act and how we are as we get where we're going? Will our journey be an example to others on the road of God's goodness and God's intention for our lives in this crazy beautiful, messy world? Will each step along the way show the power and importance of love? And will they reveal the God who is the source of that love? There are times on this journey when we do need to look ahead, to look to someday, to the promises of our salvation, times when we need to dwell on our best hopes for the life in the hereafter, for the strength to continue on. We know that. But often, and for most of us, the more faithful focus is how to follow Jesus here and now. So no, life on this earth is not a punishment to endure. It's not an unimportant detail to skip over until we get to our heavenly reward. Life in this world is a gift, and it's a mission. This life is full of opportunities to receive God's blessings and to share them with others and to help make God known along the way. So trusting that God will make sure we end up where we need to be, we look for Jesus not in the someday, but here on the road with us, in our neighbor. So look around 
and place your focus on each day that we might live as true followers and disciples of Jesus. And may God be glorified in our journey. Amen.